You wanted a fact, I gave you a fact. It was that... the most useful fact throughout the episode. That is the laziest fact. You better have a fact for this episode. Yeah, I swear you better to God, have if a you grok up with some stupidity. Yeah. In fact, take some time now, find a fact, and come back and present it. Because yeah, if you I don't, don't want to hear frantic rubbish, typing in the edit. Luxembourg starts with L. <laughs> you you pull any of that nonsense in. We're killing this episode right now. We're going to fly over to Canada and backhand you. <laughs> I'm down for that, mate. That seems like a fair fact. I do have a fact. Uh-huh. You want to hear it? Not yet. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to hear it just yet. I guess we'll wait for our colleague to do the intro. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about it. I him. mean, so you have uh, a fact. Yeah, we'll we'll see how good of a fact it is. Um, so, uh, yeah, given the fact that Zayn actually has a fact now, I think it's good to start the episode. So, hello and welcome to another episode of The Lockdown Traveller with me, Zayn and Zaki. This is a show all about navigating noteworthy novelties, and in Zayn's case, packing a spirit level so he can make sure that the hotel beds are perfectly crisp and flat. As we endure further bouts of lockdowns around the world, join us virtually as we explore Luxembourg. And as always, please like, subscribe and follow to the podcast as well as venturing onto our social connects on Twitter, the LD Traveller and Instagram, as well as our blog, thelockdowntraveller.blogspot.com. So, let's get started. Some good facts, if you please. Alright. The very first sentence in Luxembourgish was printed in 1821 in a weekly journal. Is that a good fact? <coughs> is that not a good fact? I mean, That's pretty cool. Um, is it? Alright, well, the national bird is known as the king of the birds, and it's the gold crest. Okay, that's a little bit better. And the national animal is the lion, which is known as the king of the beasts. Could you sound a little bit less <laughs> know, enthusiastic, right? please? I don't think you're getting that across. I think the Luxembourgish thing was pretty interesting. Okay, sorry, say it again. I kind of zoned out when you started speaking. Say it again. <laughs> the first sentence in Luxembourgish was printed in 1821 in a weekly journal. No, same effect. Really. No? All right. What, no. Was the, what was the phrase? I don't know what the sentence was, but the journal was called the Luxemburger Wokenblatt. Okay, that sounds pretty cool, actually. I mean, I don't know what it means, but it sounds good. Um... Okay, so mine's kind of related then. So my fact was that the, the motto of Luxembourg is in German, Wir wollen bleiben, wir sind... No, hang on. Wir wollen bleiben, was wir sind. And in English that is, we want to remain what we are, which I found hilarious because it's been almost attacked by every single country which it's, uh, uh, it's bordering. So France, Germany, Romans, mm. uh, Belgians, English... More French. Have basically, everyone wants this piece of the piece of land, and they've just gone, guys. Our motto is: we want to remain what we are, so leave us alone. Which I found yeah. brilliant. Quite like that. Quite like that. Leave it out, mate. Is what <laughs> yeah. Like, that's right. Just let me be yeah. whatever I am. Give it a rest, Harold. That's what it. That's what it translates as. <laughs> See, that resonates with me. Yeah. Yeah, I quite yeah, like that. I, I like that. Yeah, that's quite a nice one. Um, I have one that the national day in Luxembourg is. June twenty third, mm-hmm. because it was to do with their um, it was Grand Duchess Charlotte. Her birthday was on twenty third of January. Right. But they basically said the weather's terrible in January. We're going to move it to June, and so now the holidays, the <laughs> national holidays in June. And stuff. That's brilliant. Beautiful. That's brilliant. Why? Why not? Yeah, of course. Right. That, that I like that idea again. It's quite flexible. Chill. Nice. Why not? Mm. Why not? Yeah. Should I move my birthday? 
Where, where would you move it to? Nobody I celebrates it anyway. I know, but it's in January. Everyone hates January. It's like the most depressing month ever. Thing is, mate, you're not going to like what I'm going to say, but after you get past 30, does it matter? Oh. Do, do, you, do you know what? I genuinely agree. Uh, it really doesn't matter. The second you're past 30, mate, that's it. I mean, to be honest, after you're past 21, that's it really, isn't it? Like, no one really cares about birthdays. The only good thing I'm looking forward to on turning 30 is that I can finally rent Lamborghinis. I mean, that's a, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. That's pretty cool. Finally, finally, I can go up to a Hertz or a Six and go, hey, I want that car. And they'll be like, that'll be £9,000 a day. And then I'll st- I'll say no and get the Fiat 500. <laughs> but yeah. knowing that I can actually rent it is quite nice. Yes, that is nice. Yeah, we've still got a couple of years to go. So. Yeah, I got a very long time. Have you? Have you really? <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, we're so old. Honestly, we're so old. Speak um, for yourself, mate. No, Arisha, yes, uh, when she was explaining to us what Instagram does and uh, when she started talking about for reals, I, was, I genuinely thought she was using like a phrase, you know, for reals, guys. Yeah. Um, but it's actually a, a, a feature now on Instagram, which you should check out uh, on our Instagram page, which I haven't done anything about because I don't yes. know how it works. If you want to see an old man with his incompetence with new technology, have a look at our Instagram page. <laughs> yeah, yeah face, or as Eddie calls it, the Facebook. I called it the Facebook once <laughs> because I thought it was like the Twitter, which is also incorrect. Yeah, no, it's both wrong. <laughs> is there anyone which is the Facebook, the LinkedIn, the no. MySpace? Maybe how about no, we should get on with the episode? How about that? Yeah, that's a, that's a good point, actually. Yeah. Um, rather than embarrassing myself on more social media. Maybe that's why we're just not getting social media people. Maybe I'm not doing it right. No, it's the social media that's right. <laughs> yeah, Blame course. it on the tools, mate. Blame it on the tools. That's the yeah. um, right, so how, how, who wants to start with one of the areas they want to be focusing on? Alright, I'll start off with this thing called the Wenzel Circular Walk. And it's basically a three-hour-long trail that winds through Luxembourg City, and it features mm-hmm. some cool attractions like the fortress and the old town and the castle walls and the embankments and all that stuff. It's really, really easy to do. It's got signposts and arrows and all that stuff, so you can do it yourself. Or you can get a guide, and they'll provide you with proper information all about the city's history and the culture and the landscape and the wildlife and all that stuff. Mm. And one of the one of the main stops on this trail is this thing called Bok Casemates. So the Bok was a massive medieval fortress in Luxembourg that had a long and complicated history. I think it was first built in the year 19, not 19, 963. Mm-hmm. And over the next few centuries, it was held by armies from Burgundy, space, not space, hang on. Space? Spain. Yeah, what am I thinking? <laughs> Burgundy, Spain, Austria, France, Prussia, like basically everyone everywhere, like Ali said, everyone wanted this thing. Yeah, and then yeah. finally, they just decided, you know what, let's just destroy this entire thing to prevent further conflict. And even then, it took them 16 years to destroy it. <laughs> wow. And they couldn't even Why? destroy it. It's just a massive, super well-made fortress, and they couldn't destroy it properly, because if they destroyed the sort of bottom layer, it would be destroying part of the city. Hmm. So they just left the bottom part alone. And the only thing left now is a series of tunnels that were carved in the 17th century. Mm-hmm. I wonder they what had... they would have used them for. I can't imagine what they could have used. Yeah, them. so they had artillery slots, workshops, kitchens, bakeries, slaughterhouses, stables, barracks for like 1,200 soldiers, and no milk transporting facilities. <laughs> did they say that, did they? Yeah, that Explic- that explicitly. Correct? Like just a massive sign out front to get like no milk. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. 
Okay. Uh, I think they also used it as a bomb shelter uh, during World War Two for yes, thirty-five thousand yeah, yeah. people. So it is massive. Wow. I think it's seventeen kilometers long. These sort of series of tunnels. Did you say thirty-five thousand people? Thirty-five thousand people. That's insane in a yeah. bunker. In a seventeen-kilometer-long bunker. That's cr- even then. Oh, that's, that's still pretty impressive. Wow. Yeah, and it's yeah. not just you know seventeen just in one direction. There's like a sort of a honeycomb series of tunnels all over each other. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, and it's wow. open to the public. You can go inside. You can have a look at the sort of 17th century workshops and barracks mm. and all that kind of cool stuff. And that's just one of the attractions on this um, circular trail. Mm. Other attractions are like the the castle drawbridge, a moat, a medieval defense installation, and a bunch of different museums sort of scattered throughout. Wow. So museum, museums in the tunnels? Not in the tunnels, in the uh, sort of tour. So the tour goes through the tunnels okay, okay. and then it goes up above, um, around the old town, around the castle. Fair. And all the reviews are just talking about how picturesque and breathtaking the views are. So it's definitely something I want to do if we ever go to Luxembourg. Yeah. And they also um, say, I think I was reading things about that in the tunnels, people have experienced many creepy and weird things and you can actually find hidden passages and secret stuff that still hasn't been discovered yet. Interesting. Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's really, because I know that for a fact that some of those, um, the lattices and the, the, the honeycomb structures have actually been like closed off to the public because they're locked, they're locked in time essentially. Um, so yes, yeah, that'll be quite interesting to explore if we ever got the opportunity. Definitely, yeah. And they also say that if you're lucky or unlucky, depending on how, what kind of person you are, you might even hear the ghost of Melusine, who's the wife of Luxembourg's founder, Count Siegfried. And why is she in the tunnels? I don't know, mate. That's, that's really interesting, actually. <laughs> it's just what was her name thing. again? Uh, her name was M- Melusine. Melusine. Okay, okay, Melusine. this is really interesting. Okay, fair. So, fair. there's not really a lot of that. I haven't got a lot of why she's there, but people say that you can find her, so go on. Maybe that's something interesting to have a look into and see what's yeah. going on. Yeah. So, I found something which is kind of related to that, if, uh, if you guys will indulge me, because um, there's a random pink mermaid. Or a random purple mermaid, which is sitting in one of the plazas in Luxembourg City. And it looks ridiculous. It looks <laughs> out, of, out of place. It looks wrong. It's a wannabe Copenhagen mermaid. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what I was picturing. I was picturing okay, to the be Copenhagen fair, the Copenhagen mermaid is nothing special. It's a tiny it really rubbish is, sculpture. Yeah. It, it now, I imagine that poor. somebody took that and painted it purple and goes, Hey guys, we've got our own mermaid. It was, sorry, Luxembourg, but it is genuinely a pathetic attraction. It was erected in 2013. It's 3D printed, and it was 3D printed in Germany. So, not really feeling this here. But then, I was kind of got in like into like why why is there a random mermaid here? What what does it represent? And then the name Melusina or Melusine, as Zaki was 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 saying, kind of started cropping up. Um, so, can I tell you the story of the myth? Yeah, yeah definitely. Go so it's quite a good story, and I'm going to be paraphrasing here because I had to read 50 different articles to actually get to this story. But as we all know, as Zay mentioned, Luxembourg was founded in 963 when Count Siegfried I of Marcel uh, swapped some land for a promontory, which is a high point of land which is projecting into the sea, as opposed to a cliff, which is a vertical stop of land, which I actually had no idea what was before, yeah. but now I'm saying it to sound impressive. But then I just <laughs> hey, man, it, it worked. It works, I tell you, a good effect. Well then. Yeah. So, this guy, Count Siegfried, brilliant name, swapped some land, and he bought this cliff edge, or a promontory, and he decided to build his pl- his castle, which is called Lucilburhuk, on an old Roman fortress, and this became the foundation for Luxembourg City. Nice. So he upgraded his title, as you do, to the Count of Luxembourg, 
and his soldiers set up fortresses around and used the old Roman watchtowers to start building the, the boundaries. So that's the official um, way or the official origin story of Luxembourg City. Mm. But there is a myth which is um, surrounding all of this as well. So if we go back to it, our boy, Siegfried, is a keen hunter. <laughs> okay. Is that, uh, is that what they call him? Is it? Is it our lad? Our lad, Good old Siegfried. lad Siegfried. Okay. Yeah. Young Snapperdoodle. Uh, Snap. Did of... you just say Snapperdoodle? <laughs> what is yeah. Snapperdoodle? Well, he's I've a Snapperdoodle, man. He, he's he's down he... like, with the modern language, you know? He knows you know, like we were saying before how he was saying he's old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, 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 this little fellow. Um, <laughs> he's a keen hunter, but a terrible navigator. And he gets lost on a hunting trip. And he ends up in Alzette Valley. And... It's it's in part of Luxembourg, um, near near the capital as it is, man. So it, it's as it body, and he sees an old Roman castle on an ominous looking cliff. But then he in his in his head he corrects himself, saying, "Ah, oh, that's not a that's not a cliff, that's a promontory." Um, and a then, nerd. as he's looking at this, he hears an absolute belter of a tune. <laughs> <laughs> what paraphrasing is this? <laughs> so he climbs up and sees a beautiful woman squatting in the Roman ruins. If you, I thought you were going to say he's Kanye West sat there up there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, I mean, he goes up there because he wants to go and find the, the next UK top of the charts thing, like that. So he gets to the top and he's lost. He's hungry, he's drained as he used his energy to climb to the top of the mountain. And he sees this creepy yet pretty girl chilling in the Roman ruins. So what does he do next? Have a guess. Uh, I guess he rocks up and speaks to this person. Or he tells her to leave because it's his castle. Yeah, all both, that. Both, both are very logical. No, he decides to sleep. Wow. He sees a creepy girl. Right. And he goes, well, do you know what, guys? I, I can't face this today. Let's discuss this tomorrow. And he goes to sleep and he wakes up the next day and heads on home like nothing ever happened. Which makes me question this myth, myth's authenticity because how did he head home if he was lost? Right, that's that's the part you have trouble with. So he gets there, he sees this person, he goes to sleep. Yep, wakes up the next day, heads on home, and that person's just disappeared. Yeah, apparently it's like cracking night out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Okay. But how did, like you said, how did he find his way home if he was a terrorist? Um, exactly, exactly. And none of his soldiers, who were supposed to be present, representing and defending the the count, cared or bothered to find him. So how popular was he? You know. Although I will say, Seafried, I don't know why I think of this, but every time I say Seafried, it reminds me, I picture him having a massive broadsword. I don't know why. Like, unless that's a character from a game I'm thinking of, but... No, I think you're, you're absolutely right, because Siegfried, I've tried to find his origin story further, and all I know is that it's related to the Saxons, and somehow yeah. related to the Norse. So yeah, Siegfried broadsword, it, 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 I'm, I'm, with, I'm completely with you. I have the exact same vibes coming from this guy. Um, so, he wakes up, he heads home, and as he goes home, he's like, wow, that was a weird nice out, wasn't it? I don't really remember going to sleep, but I did. So, And then he goes, hmm, I really want to find this girl. And he goes back to the cliff over and over and over again. And he, one day he finally sees um, the, 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 the person singing the tune. And he goes up to her and he goes, all right, mate, you look well creepy, but it's a banging tune. Want to get married? And she goes, yes, but on two conditions. The one... That she cannot leave the cliff ever, and that too she needs to be left alone on Saturdays. So clearly, you know, watching the foot, watching the football or rugby. Yep. I mean, yeah, it, it makes sense. Yeah, it makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah, yep. no red flags. <laughs> I mean, first, I oh, know this seems perfectly fine. Uh, you know, hey, you over there, the creepy girl. 
Um, but yeah, so he, he, he thinks about it for, for a nanosecond or so and goes, do you know what, that seems like a very fair, fair um, deal. So he agrees. But then he realizes that he needs to build a castle on this um, cliff, on this on this Roman ruins, because if she clearly can't leave this place, you need to build around her, you know, demands of, of this person. So he goes and um, goes to a crossroads and sells his soul to the devil to afford the construction of his fortress. What? That... This guy is just racking on death. <laughs> no, but what, what is he on? Is he like... <laughs> what does That makes no sense. What would he need to go to him for to, to do that? that Honestly. There's, there's no logic in that whatsoever. Yeah, doesn't he have an army? He has yeah. an army. I don't know what's going on. I mean, you remember that guy from Estonia, the guy with the talking hedgehog? Yes. Suddenly, yeah, yeah, yeah. he looks Callie, very Callie. sane. He looks... Yeah. Callie, he looks very sane now. Yeah, I know, right? What? <laughs> was was C3 just on mushrooms all the time? Is that is that what this... Exactly. Yeah. So he so, talks to the so, crossroad demon, gets the castle built, right? How yeah, long does exactly. it take? It doesn't say, but then the castle is named uh, Lucilin Burhuk, which Lucilin, uh, Lucilin. Yeah. exactly Lucifer. So everyone's like, "Oh my god!" The first two names are Lucy, so um, clearly the, the the myth is true. So he he sold his soul and starts building on this castle, uh, which is great, and he's true to his word. For years, he doesn't go and, um, you know, talk to her or intrude her uh, privacy on Saturdays. Oh. And they, they live on this lovely, lovely castle, which is great. One of his mates, and then another one of his mates, and then more and more of his mates, Egemon, say, go on, what's going on on Saturday? What is she doing on Saturday? What is she up to? Mm-hmm. Um, so he goes and finally succumbs to this and goes, do you know what? I'm going to peep through the keyhole like a pervert. Um, <laughs> And he's like, if I peep through it... <laughs> I, lo- I love your recantion of this. Can I Sorry. Just say? I should really write history books. You, you know what? I would, I would, I would <laughs> yeah, pay good money to good. read those. I tell you, I, tell you, yeah. I genuinely so he, would. He thinks that peeping through a keyhole won't breach his uh, agreement with uh, the lovely uh, person. Uh, so he peeps through it and he sees her uh, having a bath, combing her hair. And then he realises that her feet have been swapped out by nasty, uh, slimy fishtail. And then Melusina realizes that somebody's perving on her and vanishes into the cliff, never to be seen again by the Count. Now it is that she shows up every seven years to see if anyone can free her from her, her valley, and that she also has a key which she hangs onto, which she needs somebody to take. Um, and once somebody's taken that key, or the key's been handed to somebody else, she's free to leave the, the valley. Um, so she tries to do that every seven years, but nobody's been brave enough to take the key yet, because she's gotten quite angry since um, she was, um, you know, uh, spied on by her husband. One soldier, many, many years later, tried to take the key from her, but then an evil growl appeared from the valley, and the soldier fled. And then there's a separate myth law saying that that, that valley is now haunted or possessed by the devil as well. <clears throat> and then one last fun fact was that her mum, so this poor Melusina the mermaid, mm. her mum was actually a fairy called Pressine, and there's Scottish law which talks about the bloodline of Pressine or Pressine, who married king of Scotland, and again, that king married the fairy, going, oh no, I'll, I'll leave your Saturdays alone, I promise, I promise, and then obviously spied on her as well, and this fairy fled to the Isles of Avalon, which is related to Merlin law and Welsh mythology, wow. and um, then they fled to Luxembourg, and then was spied on again, so... Leave her alone, man. I know, but <laughs> seriously, I mean... hard demand. When I started reading this, it was like I didn't expect it to go into Scotland and Wales and stuff like that. But I mean, for a myth, that's pretty well traced back, you know. Yeah, that that goes into. I didn't really expect it at all to go in all of those places. Mm. Yeah, but like a random woman in the castle, and she's a mermaid, and he didn't think that was fishy. 
Please. It's his first pun. Uh, although, yeah, fair enough. We've been doing some dude for quite some time. But that that just doesn't... He did a lot of random stuff there. That yeah. None yeah, of what he did made any sense to me. Nothing made yeah, sense. It, it makes no sense. Like, do you what? think they had fish and chips on Friday? Oh, man, do I want think, some proper decent you, fish and chips. I know, me too. Like, proper ones. But do you think the, the mermaid person was like, hey, 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 you can't do that. And he's like, why not? I mean, it's not cannibalism. It's like... Half cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's sort of yeah. Half where where of do it. you draw the line? I think like it depends which part of the fish you're eating. Yes, if you if eat the top the half, tail. it's not cannibalism. Yeah, if it's the bottom yeah. half, then then that's ethically an issue for the wife. <laughs> I think it also depends on how it is he's eating it. If he's like blatantly, obviously saying this is your brother, eh? slice. You know, <laughs> I mean, if, right, if exactly. anyone ever eats anything like Denethor eats tomatoes in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Just under the sea. Yes, hundred percent. Yeah, that's why he was single in the film. So, gentlemen, who eats cherry tomatoes like that? Also, have you seen his plate? He's got tomatoes, grapes, and chicken. And (laughs) the the time it takes him to eat that lunch, Faramir's dressed up in his armor. He's gone to Askeliath. He's gotten shot, and then he's come back. Yeah, that's yeah. And Denethor still hasn't finished lunch. What a mug. Yeah, honestly, honestly, but yeah, no, that um, it's interesting that like you you've got the 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 ghost of Melisina in the in the castles because that's where she's supposed to be haunting, chilling in the cliffs until somebody takes her key. Um, that's very so, interesting. Yeah. That's cool. I, so like, every, I like that. Every about. seven years, if it's not a Saturday, she's going to show up as human. Yes. And then the rest of the time, she's just sort of flopping around. Yeah. So she <laughs> like a magic <laughs> <laughs> Um You said that she rocks up every seven years to try and give some get somebody to take her key. Yeah. So she can be freed from the valley. Yeah. But didn't she go away to the valley by herself because she was yeah. sad that she got spotted? So why does yeah. she need freeing? No idea. And also, if she's giving the key to people and that soldier took it, shouldn't that be enough? Like, she's free now. Yeah. Yeah. No, he tried to take it, but then he heard a growl from the valley a and growl. then he was like, all right, mate, wow. I'm, I'm off. What a soldier. I know, what a soldier, right? I'd love to find his name. In fact, I will find his name because (laughs) I was like, oh no, there's a growl there, I'm out. I mean... Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll gladly take a key from this ghost mermaid lady, but (laughs) a random (laughs) growl. That's too far, man. That's too scary. Yeah, yeah, some things might cross the line. That's where I draw the line, yeah. Have you seen mermaids in in different myths and stuff? They look terrifying. They do, they do. I I, I picture, yeah, they're pretty, pretty messed up. Yeah. It's like, I mean, well, people well, used to think uh, manatees were mermaids. Because that's because people were... Because, like, manatees that. kind of look human, I guess. <laughs> Do they, though? <laughs> Do you, they? You've been... <laughs> you need to redefine what your definition of human is, mate. No, I think... I think the like, hills have eyes the... not a good representation of what people are supposed to look like. No, when they said... Like, when sailors came back and they saw... And they said they saw some half human half fish creature they meant like a merge like a combination like a, a human like fish not literally half human ah, half fish okay that's a bit and funny. they were attracted to this hey man what happens in the ocean <laughs> stays in the ocean <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's sirens isn't it on mermaids I mean mermaids are apparently sirens or actually no they're different they're, aren't they're they? species aren't they they're like a species Subspe- yeah, yeah. yeah. We need to get um, some <laughs> some research done on this. Attenborough, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate. <laughs> where's your Where's your Yeah, I don't remember seeing that episode in in like you know. Yeah, but this this guy though, he's easily coerced though. 
devil's like, go on, mate, give me your soul. And he's like, all right. Well, that's such yeah, a- I don't know why he made the deal. Like, you make a deal with the devil, and then you build the castle yourself. So what's the devil doing? What's the deal? What did he get out of it? Was it just- m- money. Money to make the castle. But surely you should say, give me the castle, and I'll sell my soul. Like, you've got to be thinking full, full moves ahead of you. And surely he should be haunting the place, right, if the devil's got his soul. Yeah. Oh, God. I w- I'd-, I'd be haunting that like, place. Like, the mermaid should be fine. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Mate, the devil, mate. It's got a lot of different souls hanging about for no reason. <laughs> oh, dear. And he makes appearance again. That I think that's uh, that's every episode. Lucifer, Lucifer. Uh, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there is every episode. Um, okay. All right. That's an interesting one. Speaking of spooky stuff, while we're Go on the topic, I'm desperately trying to bring back my Halloween. <laughs> but it's too late. Have either of you heard of the Bettenberg Werewolf? No. No. I thought Battenberg was a cake. I thought it was a oh, cake yeah. as well. This is Bettenberg, though. Okay, yeah, then. No. Isn't that a level in The Witcher? No, uh, it's not. Never mind. Please no. continue. I need to play that. I need to jump back on That's my Christmas game, mate. That's going to be my Christmas holiday. It's going it's to be good. It's going to be good. good. Um, so, there's an ancient myth in Bettenberg that apparently a very, very long time ago, that's your mind's back to the beginning of time, well, not that far long ago, but a long time ago, a young, selfish, and rash young man left his old and poor and dependent parents and headed off to war. Okay. Don't know what war, but he headed off to war for some reason. Probably with the devil again. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, years went by, nobody heard anything from the man, and everybody in the town was left wondering whether he was alive or injured or dead or, you know, what happened of him. Nobody knew. And the rest of the villagers were quite nice. They took care of his parents. They, they you know, looked after them and gave them food and shelter, whatever, everything that they needed while he was away. Mm-hmm. Um, because they'd been left alone. But without time, as time went on, they became more miserable and upset and tired and ill, plus, you know, like natural aging, but also the, the depression of not knowing what was happening to their son. Right. So many years went by, and the parents, basically, they passed away in the villages, but went back to their normal thing. But then a couple of days later, a man who was very old and crippled came marching back in from... Lakeba. Sorry, sorry, marching back? Marching. He came marching back in. Right. Dressed in soldier's attire. Okay. From Luxembourg to Bettenberg. And he turned up out of nowhere. And they said that it looked clear that he'd been mentally, like physically scarred by the stuff he'd seen. He looked, something mm-hmm. about him was gaunt. He had a very freakish expression. His eyes were full of fear. Um, and he was swearing as he came towards the town. That <laughs> <laughs> was funny. But, Did um, he know his parents were dead or was he just angry? <laughs> I don't know. He he came down. He sat on the border of the town and looked around, and he was freaking out, like just 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 completely random, like as if somebody's completely crazy. He's looking around, and then as he's glancing around this place on the top of the hill, he sees a crucifix that's made of stone. Right. And for some reason, as if possessed by the devil, he jumped up and ran towards the the crucifix. And he started throwing stones and he started <laughs> swearing at the crucifix and basically wow. destroyed it. Hmm. Wow. As soon as he destroyed the crucifix, the soldier completely vanished. Okay. I can After hear the that, devil going, that weren't me. Yeah. <laughs> After that, from that day onwards, the town of Bettenberg became haunted by a bloodthirsty, gruesome wolf that would violently slaughter any living thing on its path. And oh it tormented the town for ages without any end in sight. They couldn't, no weaponry, no swords, no guns. Nothing could injure the, this, this crazy wolf. On the side note, a monk rocked up there for some reason. He's just trekking through. I don't know what he's doing. He's just there. You know what, lads? I'm going to sit here for a bit because I've got nothing else to do with my life. He gets to the Bettenberg and he says to them, what you need to do is cast a silver bullet and engrave the names of Jesus, Mary and Joseph on it and basically shoot the wolf. 
standard. Standard Van so Helsing right there. They did this. They cast the silver bullet, engraved the names in it. Then the best trained rifleman in Bettenberg basically took the bullets and said, okay, well, we're going to go hunt this guy out. And then they went around, fight ensued. They had a hunt for the monster and they eventually managed to kill him. <laughs> then, as they shot the monster and they killed yep. him at a distance, the villagers approached the body. But then they noticed that the actual animal wasn't an animal anymore. It was, in fact, the young and rude and crazy soldier who had left his parents many, many years ago. The corpse was then cremated to leave no trace of what had happened that day. But, still to this day, you can the myth lives on in that city and nobody has managed to find the, the cemetery or the remains of the, the final resting place, rather, of this soldier. But it's claimed that around the stone crucifix, which is still there, you can hear howling and screaming of a creature that wanders around in that area. Maybe that's what the soldier heard with the mermaid. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe. Is it bad that every time you say soldier, all I can think is soldier boy? <laughs> yes, I think that is bad. That, is, that bad. is bad. Um, okay, so walk me through this again. So goes to war, comes back, his parents dead, hits the crucifix, turns into a werewolf. No, I think he, yeah, I think he comes back, he's mm-hmm. already freaked out, he's crippled and he's messed up by all the things he's seen in a war. Right. Then I think he learns that his parents are dead, he sits on there, and then he sees the crucifix and becomes angry, I think. Ah, okay, and then gets uh, cursed. He becomes cross. Yes, and then it's <laughs> And then he starts throwing... And he don't laugh. Sorry, sorry, that was a good one, though. And then he starts... Yeah, he breaks the, start, he breaks the crucifix up with anger, then disappears, and I think that's what turns him into a werewolf. Not traditional werewolf transformation, but... Okay. That's what happens, and then they kill him. I guarantee that monk was Van Helsing. They're rocking up, okay? Silver bullets, mate. That's what you need. But he didn't... The monk didn't... There's not a lot of information about the monk. He just rocks up there, says, Guys, you got to cast a silver bullet, mate. Put these names on it. Off you go. And he just <laughs> leaves. Like, he, doesn't, he doesn't go like, Oh, I'll kill this werewolf for you. He's like, No, he's no, no, no you do that. He's, he's, he's not going to be violent. Yeah, to be honest. And that's well, what he just gives them the plans for the ammunition. <laughs> yeah, but that's what, that's what consultants do as well. We tell you what the plan is, and then we leave. You yeah, implement it yourself. He didn't charge them for it, though. That's the difference. Yeah, see, that's why he's a monk and not a consultant. That's true, that's true. But he anyway, he did that. Um, and people say that, yeah, you can still hear the howling of wolves in that area as you go today. But the, the thing that I find interesting is the in Bettenberg, the site of where this happened is called Park Mervelu, or Mervelu, I haven't pronounced that right, but anyway, it's right. a big park, and that park is now, <laughs> it's now a children's park, with many different Lovely. things. Why do people do it's this? It's a theme park, and it's a zoo, apparently it's a really, really nice park, and I think entry is something like 5 or 10 euros, I think, for the day. Is that the one with the arcade? Uh, I don't know, all I know is it's got, it's like a theme park mixed with a zoo, yeah, 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 mixed yeah. with okay, a fine. different thing. So you might have more information. Theme park mixed with a zoo. Yeah, I don't know much about it. It's just it's it's one of the oldest uh, theme parks in in Europe. Interesting. Why would you pick that place? Why? I don't know. I don't know. We had this last time as well, didn't we? They would, and also in the Halloween oh, thing where they where yeah. they kept on building stuff on top of places where you just shouldn't, just don't do that. Like, make it anything else but that. But there you go. There you go. That, that's what they built it as. So um, the park is apparently really pretty and really cool, especially if you've got kids. It's worth going and having a look at. And even for parents, the zoo and stuff, is everyone loves the zoo, right? So it's worth having a look at and it's pretty cheap as well. I mean, I have something that's kind of related to the vampire spooky supernatural story, but it's it's more movie related. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go on, let's let's hear it. Okay, right so now, all we've got are ghosts, mermaids, and werewolves of Luxembourg. So, so there have been a few movies that have been filmed in Luxembourg, which is kind of surprising because it's a very small country. But the weirdest film that I found right is called Shadow of the Vampire. Have either of you heard of it? No, but I want to see it already. 
Okay, so I haven't seen it myself, but the more I write about it, the weirder it gets, right? And the more I want to watch it. So <laughs> yeah. the premise is that it's a movie about the making of Nosferatu, which is Zucky's favorite vampire movie. God <laughs> And the director, F.W. Murnau, is played by John Malkovich. Ah, and okay. he is obsessed about making this movie as real and as authentic as possible. And so he hires this mysterious actor called Max Schreck, played by Willem Dafoe, nice. to be the main character in the movie, Count Orlock. And it turns out, Willem Dafoe's character is an actual real-life vampire who's only agreed to be in the movie because John Malkovich promised him he could drink the blood of the lead actress, played by Catherine McCormack. And so everyone else on set just thinks Willem Dafoe is like either doing some next level method acting yeah. or that he's being like a super pretentious movie star because he's always in vampire makeup and he right. only films at night and he's <laughs> always in character. I so, desperately want to see this now. Mate. Like they're filming Nosferatu and Willem Dafoe just goes around murdering people because he's a vampire and John Malkovich gets so angry. <laughs> He's like, bro, at least get to the final scene before you start killing people, or at least just kill unimportant people. Like, how the hell am I supposed oh, wow. to make a movie if you've murdered the, you know, cinematographer or the main writer or whatever? Yeah. And so eventually, I think they're ready to film the final scene in the movie, and the cast, or, you know, what's left of the cast anyway, realize that Willem Dafoe is a vampire, and so they try to kill him. And he gets annoyed, and he tries to kill them instead. <laughs> and it's just this massive battle, and the whole time John Malkovich is just standing behind the camera filming everything, completely ignoring the fact that Willem Dafoe is murdering all his friends and crew and all that stuff. And it's just such a weird that movie. That sounds brilliant. Is, is it a comedy? It's supposed to be a horror comedy thing, like like a dark comedy, not... Yeah, okay, slap, okay, yeah. okay. And what's even weirder, right? Guess who the producer was. Go on. Oh, it's got to be one of the big ones. Spielberg. Nicolas Cage. No! Nicolas what? Cage. What? You're joking. Yeah. No way! Oh, wow. Oh, man, we need to see this. And Willem Dafoe got his role in um, Spider-Man as, you know, Green Goblin because of his performance <laughs> as Nosferatu. How, in how is this the first time we're hearing about this? It's such a weird we thing, need to watch and this I movie. really want to watch it. That we should definitely amazing. watch this. That's going to be on our list, right? That has to be on our list. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Is it filmed in Luxembourg? It is filmed in Luxembourg, okay. and there's this one scene where he's sitting with the cast and crew, and they're having drinks, and a bat just flies past, and Willem Dafoe just grabs <laughs> it and eats it, and the cast is like, wow, man, that's some real commitment to acting you've got there. Oh, I love it. Love it. Nicolas Cage, you've done it again. I know, right? That's fantastic. And that was the first, first ever movie Nicolas Cage ever produced. And last, hopefully. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, that's going to be a controversial <laughs> statement, I tell you that. Oh no, honestly. Um, Love it. Love wow. it. We need to see that. Um, yeah, one thing which was really interesting when I was doing all the research for Luxembourg was that there's a lot of random uh, celebrations which they do, which I kind of want to go see, but I also don't really get the appeal, if I'm honest. So I've got three of them here, which I'll quickly go through. So the first is a celebration which is called the Borg, the Borg Brennen which is Latin for burin, which is to burn. Okay. Uh, and it happens on the first Sunday in Lent, representing the end of winter and the coming of spring. Uh, and it's, from what I can see, it's a, basically Guy Fawkes, but in Easter. Uh, so a huge bonfire. And it's originated with pagan beliefs and feasts, and was around the spring equinox, but was merged with the Christian calendar, as we know, has, which has happened all throughout history. Um, so that. So 
initially it's it was only celebrated by men and the men would um you know Burn put the, the the kindling the the anything to, to to make this bonfire but it was quite interesting because the the spotlight was on the people who got recently married so recently married men would have the the spotlight and they were the ones who were allowed to light the fire so whoever's the most recently wedded man in the the city would be allowed to light the fire but you're like oh that's really nice of them isn't it you know you feel special for the day hmm. but it was also their job to collect the wood and pay for the costs of the bonfire as well, which isn't so nice. Yeah. So basically, the guy who is the most skin is now yeah. going to be made more skin. Exactly, exactly. Wow. Um, so yeah, that, that's one which you can go and visit. And the second one... What, which you... Sorry, what what do they... Is it like an effigy or something they burn? Or is no, it just literally no. Just wood? So I got really confused because there's one um, link which was like the Brennen is the burning of the cross. And I was like, wow, that doesn't sound right. That's, yeah. Um, yeah. And then I googled it, and the only reason there's a cross on it is because they they erect a huge concrete cross uh, to make sure that the bonfire is actually safe. So it's just putting the the, the burning material around the cross, not burning the cross itself. So it's right. not a religious cross; it's more of a structural stability. Okay, that makes sense. Right. That's it, okay. Yeah, in case a werewolf shows up, you just have the cross there. <laughs> makes sense, actually. That, that, surely that's going to be worse. You don't want that. There must be there. there must be a connection then. Yeah. Um, and then the second one was even. Even more interesting, yes. uh, which is called the Heinsfest. <laughs> Sorry, Heinsfest, which is a festival dedicated to the beauty of the landscape. Okay, that sounds nice. That sounds kind of interesting. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so each Whit Monday or Pentecost Monday or the the, the one which is kind of the, the the Ascension Day, which is happening on the twenty fourth of May in twenty twenty one. I don't know what any of that means. Uh, Christianity, Jesus ascends a Monday on, on that on that time period, and it's. It's around Easter or after Easter. Okay, all right, yeah. So Whit Monday, Pentecost Monday, 24th May to everyone else. Um, they celebrate the broom. Is that's there a it? follow-up? Uh, any... What does that, that mean? That, that's where the website ended. They're like, they celebrate the broom. And I was like, what, 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 as in a broom to clean? What is yeah. it? So I Google and I found out later that a broom is a type of bushy yellow flower that grows abundantly in the hills uh, in the north of Luxembourg. So that's what they celebrate. The coming of these flowers means that spring's about to come and they get excited. So how do um, they celebrate it? Like, what do they actually do? <clears throat> so they've got an impressive flower parade. They, uh, they nominate and elect a bloom queen and they have floats, market and food. Hmm. That sounds pretty fun. Sounds pretty good, yeah. mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing is, that's the thing about festivals is they all sound pretty fun. If there's food and there's stuff cool. going on, it's always going to be good. I mean, for me, the one which I really want to see before I die, Day of the Dead. Mexico. Oh, Mexico. yeah, 100%. I yeah, that would be good. cannot wait. Um, Actually, but, why, don't, why not attend it afterwards? That would be even better. I want to witness it first and then, yeah, you know, do what you want with my corpse. I don't care. Um, <laughs> no, I meant... <laughs> okay. Oh, oh no, right, so what not, were you saying? That's not this is a weekend at Bernays, but Day of the Dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a well-real-looking puppet you've got there. Yeah, that's on point, mate. Great art, though. Yeah, um, but the weird thing is, in a population of 600,000 people, 10,000 people show up to this, so a lot of people show up to this thing. Um, and the last one, which I'll go really, really quickly, um, is called the Hopping Procession of Echternach, which is a procession to celebrate St. Willibord, who created one of the abbeys. Yeah. And I was like, okay, how are we going to top a broom celebration? And then I came across this, where there's um, a hopping procession. So what exactly is a hopping procession? So... It was mentioned in the book because there was an arrival of a monk in uh, 698 and he built a new church and monastery and spent his final years in the town called Echternach and after his death in the 8th century he was buried in the church which he built himself. Soon 
After his death, Pilgrim started to hear the miracles which he had happened and appear, uh, um, and yeah, which, what what do you do with miracles? Perform miracles? I think so. Yeah, I think perform. it's performed, right? Perform miracles. So he performed miracles during whilst he was t- alive, and then lots of cool things were happening at his tomb. What, what and kind? More... <laughs> Sorry, wait. We can't just okay. Two <laughs> questions, right? Go. One. Do you know what kind of miracles he did? Two. What do you mean by cool things were happening in his tomb? <laughs> what What does that sentence mean? That he can't do possible over that sentence. Oh, I don't uh, know. But apparently, he he um he provided food to the poor, and he managed to heal people who weren't. Ill, who was mildly ill, so we're not talking Jesus level. And um, he told but... some people to craft a silver bullet to kill a werewolf. Yes, it might, that might is be a the same person. That one I get is a miracle. So basically, you're saying he gave people food, and that's a miracle. And chicken soup to make them feel better. That's still not a miracle. I don't understand. But, but yeah, but apparently he was quite popular because people started attending the or going to the tomb to visit him, and it becomes became so popular that pilgrims, more and more pilgrims, arrived at Echternach in the church, and they had to enlarge the tomb um, you, uh, to be placed. You still didn't answer the question. <laughs> I know, what I was hoping to like scale. This, what, what did you mean when you said there are interesting things happening in his tomb? People, apparently, if you stand next to this tomb, um, it's just eerily quiet, and <laughs> it's a very spiritual place. And I just, that doesn't sound like that's what happens when you stand silently anywhere. That, that, that's what I mean. That's just, that's <laughs> just stand standing quietly any place on earth. <laughs> yeah, the monk's literally going, now nah, listen here, you little... He's <laughs> taken a vow of silence. I know. Okay, um, okay. But anyway, 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 so people come, basically, monk dies, gets buried, people come visit, gets really popular... And then there's a particular custom which goes back to the 16th century where male pilgrims from Vaxfela started performing a hopping dance on the way to the... To the <laughs> hopping sorry, dance. they hopped to the, the tomb. They hopped to the tomb. They hopped to the tomb to present their offerings. And uh, this procession had been open to women as well, and they all started hopping to the tomb. And nowadays, musicians... Um, abbots, bishops, and 9,000 pilgrims from all over Europe, dressed in white shirts and dark trousers, hop to the polka mer- melody through medieval streets to the crypt to see this. How um, far? How far is the hop? It's a really small town, and I think it starts in the center, and it goes from the center plaza to to the tomb, which shouldn't be like that long. Yeah, but like you, if you have to hop, it's a long time. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah, but they got some proper like. For example, you can only hop. In a sideways and forwards manner, you're not allowed to hop backwards. If you hop on the spot during a halt, you're you're going through the procession backwards and you need to start again. You're not allowed to do that. And they actually banned hopping backwards uh, in the Second World War. I have no they idea why. They banned hopping backwards? Yeah, they're like, it's too obvious. I don't know what that means. I actually have a joke for that. Go on. Oh God. What do you call a bunch of rabbits hopping backwards? Uh, pilgrims visiting the... <laughs> <laughs> Prisoners. In a receding hairline. <laughs> no, Zane, that's, that's terrible. Ter- oh my, that's that might actually be the worst one you've ever done. I think so. I think so. God, that's bad. Yeah. Did you make that one up? No, it's a very popular joke. He made that up to me. Oh man. So these guys the, hop to the tomb. They hop. They hop to the tomb. In silence, and then just they stand there in the walk silence, back. and then walk, no hop back. It sounds like a good spectator sport, but I don't think it would be that fun to do. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely um, a spectator sport, because they end with the sentence saying, hopping can be seen as a sign of human joy, inspired by the love of God. To find out what it means for you, try it out, dot, dot, dot. 
which sounds menacing as hell to me. So I'll be watching, <laughs> not hopping. Yeah. They should do like a three-legged race competition. Yeah, that would uh, be fun. How does how how do you <sighs> what somebody does and you hop to it? Yeah. So is this okay. is this like a parade or is it just? One at a time. You just if you want to visit the tomb, you just. It's hop. not going to be one at a time, is it? No, no, no. It's it happens um, around the same time as the other festivals. So it's from the twenty seventh of May next time to, on, in twenty twenty one, and no, it's it's a proper parade. So they hop in unison. Um, and if like if we're all hopping in line, Zuki goes in. Do I have to just hop in place until Zuki's yes. done standing next to the dude? Yes, but you have to hop sideways and then forward, never backwards. Because if you do backwards, wow. it's, it's it's yeah. Can you imagine the calves on these people? My God, they must be made out of stone or something. <laughs> that must be yeah. You're right, actually. Yeah, you'd have to be super. You got never skip leg day at all. Like, oh my goodness, that would be, yeah. that'd be fun though. Can you imagine the monkey? What the hell are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine he'd be. Also, uh, I, if anybody is listening is a monk or knows a family who knows he was a professional on monks, why do they rock up at random places and build monasteries? Because I don't understand. Because almost in many places they seem to just travel and turn up and then build a monastery. But they, they, that, so that's quite um, in Anglo-Saxon types. Um, sorry, Anglo-Saxon periods. Um, they were actually promoted to go. Study at um, the Vatican, mm. make the make the religious journey to Rome and all that stuff. But also build your monasteries where you can. Erect the cross. Erect this. Preach to the people that Christianity is the way. And they were getting away from the pagan beliefs and stuff. So yeah, it was they were traveling salesmen. So they were the more time. like missionaries. Also, a, a monastery is just a monk's house. Yeah. So yeah. if he wants to live somewhere, he'll just build himself a house. Just rent one like everyone else. Why you got to build one? Man? <laughs> I mean, self-sustainable. Yeah. He's an independent man who don't need no other person. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me, Ali, if you, if you couldn't rock up in London and just build your own house without any problems, you wouldn't do it? I'd love it. I'd love it. I can barely afford a one-bedroom flat. No, I can't afford a bedroom flat. What you need to flat, do is so. go to a crossroads and make a deal with a demon. That's and what you start yes, building your house. Yeah. yeah. Could I have a new build in Canary Wharf, please? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That was like, oh, then. <laughs> he'd be like, nah, mate. No, he'd be like, sorry, dude, do my that. dead so doesn't like, go that far. The rent is too high. I can't afford yeah, it. Exactly. Too much. exactly. I but can yeah, give no, you a four bedroom de- flat in a village, but I can't a house in a village, but I can't give you a half a bedroom flat in London. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, but no, those are the different celebrations. They've got some more ones as well, um, but these are the three which really caught my eye, um, and we definitely should go and see them rather than interact and uh, do them. Rather than interact. I mean, to be honest, we could probably like wind Zame up and say, "Hey, we're all going to go hopping to the tomb," and then just watch from the sidelines as he's hopping. And then put some butterflies in the tomb so that when he rocks up there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you never know. Like maybe, maybe the monk's favorite music was hip hop. <laughs> okay, moving on, moving on, <laughs> Move, moving on. Please, I've please. got, I've got one place again. We seem to have turned this into a creepy episode again somehow. A lot of interesting stuff. Like, um, I want to talk about the Ettelbrook waterways. Okay. So there's a bunch of different waterways around the town of Ettelbrook, and they're pretty cool, actually. The pictures are really cool. It's, it's it's almost like a set of lakes and mini waterfalls and stuff that is all around the place, which is really nice. It's a really cool, definite visit I want to go and have a look at, because the place looks really pretty. Um, but there are ancient told stories told by the people regarding some hauntings. So there's a myth in Luxembourg that on every New Year's Eve, a spooky white cat haunts anybody who crosses the bridge over the Alzette River. A cat. A cat. A white cat. A white cat. Yes. So after midnight, the, white, the story goes that some dude, don't, don't know his name, he, he, anyway, he's crossing over this bridge, over the, uh, over the river, and he realises that a white cat is following through the deep snow. So he gets scared and runs back home. I'm not entirely sure why. 
Mm-hmm. But anyway, the cat follows him all the way to his front door, and he opens the front door, looks behind him, and as he turned around, <laughs> to his horror, he saw the white cat sitting calmly, staring what's in front of him. Wrong, what's wrong with I, the white cat? I, I, I know, and how no. do you know if a cat's sitting calmly? I don't know. I don't know why he got scared. I, I, I okay. don't really yeah, understand. I black cats are usually superstitious related But stuff. if a cat follows you and chills, I don't really see what's so scary about If anything, about you that. should be proud that a cat yeah. doesn't hate yeah. you. Yeah. You've been selected. Exactly. So he tried to get rid of the cat, but the cat. But each time the the cat was still there, and it, the cat basically made its way into his house and it sat in the living room and just looked at him. So like, look at me, I am the captain now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he he's inside there. He tries to get rid of the cat, but every time it turns up in a different corner of the house. Uh, finally, the guy gives up and gets tired, and he's like, maybe the cat will disappear on its own. So he's like, okay, mate, you can stay. I'm gonna go to bed. He goes up and sleeps. That seems um, to be a thing. The cat sneaks into his bedroom and lets out a horrifying shriek. At exactly one o'clock, the cat disappears. Right. But when the man awoke, he discovered that his face had been scratched so badly he didn't recognise the face looking back at him in the mirror. I'm sorry, everything you've described is just a drunk man who found a cat <laughs> and didn't know how <laughs> yeah, to get so it out of the house. It's cat behaviour. It's screaming at him that it didn't get fed. Yeah, yeah he didn't feed it. And then sort of it. slashed him, like, you know, give me some food. And then it left, and he's like, huh, okay, so he was horrified, and that's it, basically. So every New Year's Eve, if there's a white cat, maybe give it some food is my advice. I don't really understand the problem here. If you see a hungry animal, just give it food. Yeah, I don't really <laughs> yeah, that's see not, the... that's not a good policy. It depends well, where animal it is. <laughs> I, I feed the foxes, even though I'm not supposed to. If we're with lions, then they just throw his aim in there, you go, mate. But okay, so when you started this with Ettelbrook, I was like, okay, well, I know that German uh, in World War Two occupied it. I know the fact that there was the the huge battle of the Bulge happening where they retook um, the town. It had other wars. It's got a neuropsychological um, hospital built on top of it. It's known for medical autopsies and stuff like that. So I was like, wow, there's a lot of different routes you could go for this haunting. Well, let me let me uh, talk you some through, through some more then. There's a whole bunch of different ones because of those reasons that you just mentioned. So, another one is the story of Wasakashin? Kachin? Kuchin? I don't know. Basically, the woman in white. Again, they, they talk about oh, this. Oh, again? Yeah, I know. So, she walks up along Maybe the street. Maybe she's just in. looking for a cat. She, yeah, she could be. She walks along the stream in her clothes, playing with the water, um, always taking the same route. And then she turns to the end of the road and disappears into the night. So, basically, it's just she doesn't do anything. She's just a white woman and disappears. Okay, I think that's enough of that. And then, <laughs> very much. then in November 2010, during a hunt near Ettlebrook, a group of hunters, they found a deer and tried to shoot it, and the animal ran off. And in a frantic effort to escape, it jumped into the river, okay? In the same river area, the point where all the other apparitions and stuff appear, right? With the white cat and the woman and all that. Hunters were criticized for the method used to, anim- used to kind of kill the animal, because um, they were taking shots at it while it was in the water. And they still couldn't kill the deer because they were terrible hunters, I tell you. Wow. <laughs> Absolutely abysmal. Uh, they tried to kill the deer, but they couldn't do it, and the deer basically drowned. Now they think that the um, because of the location, the deer might reappear again as another white animal in this area. So, Zaki, I'm sorry, mate. You are scraping the bottom of the barrel here. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, okay. I think if you want to see white animals, just go there. Um, <laughs> are there other, um, Zemo, are there any other things you wanted to mention before we do special mentions? Uh, there's a cave in Luxembourg's Motherthal region called Holle Cave. So this cave has sort of weird engravings and markings all over the walls, and it's got these pillars and columns inside that are holding up the entire cavern. So it kind of looks like an underground cathedral. 
And mm-hmm. you might think that, you know, it's a remnant of some ancient civilization or something because Luxembourg's got such a diverse history. Mm-hmm. But it's actually just the marks left by the people who went mining in the cave, you know, a while back, like in the 19th century. Mm-hmm. And Hole Cave is like, uh, it basically means hollow stone, as in the rock was hollowed out by humans. Sorry, sorry. Did you just say Hollow Cave means. Hole. Like, oh, imagine okay. Borat trying to say Holy. That works actually. Okay, like it. Okay. Yeah. So, Hole Cave. (laughs) um, It means hollow stone, (laughs) and basically in the 19th century, it was a pretty prominent location because um, they wanted to use that specific rock to create millstones for the nearby monastery. And in case you don't know what a millstone is, it's like a massive circular rock that you use to grind grains on, like in a flour mill or something. Oh yeah, like a manual thing where you push it and it goes around in a circle. Yeah, pretty much. And now that entire location is a huge popular tourist attraction and it acts like a natural amphitheater. So people actually have concerts down there if the weather is good enough. I don't know, you know, what exact songs they're playing, but I think it's pretty safe to assume it's rock music. But yeah, it's a very popular location. They do get worse. They really do get worse, do. man. I think they do get worse. Like I'm he's... slightly worried about what happens in the next episode now. Oh, God almighty. Yeah. But that's cool. Okay, so how big? How many people are we talking? Like, if they, if they, has a, if they have concerts and stuff like what? Uh, they don't actually say, but it is pretty big. I think at least 50 minimum. Oh, okay. Okay, that's not mm. bad. Mm. Cool. Um, Zaki, do you have any special mentions? <laughs> uh, not that you're going to want to hear. But I do have one actual, again, useful fact for people. Uh, if you're traveling, thinking of visiting Luxembourg, you can apply for what's called the Luxembourg Card, um, very imaginatively named. And apparently it's, it's it's a tour that you can get. It's like It gives you free access into about 60 different museums and attractions all around Luxembourg. Nice, nice. you can nice. buy it as a one-day, two-day, or three-day card. And if you buy the two- or three-day cards, that, that's not like three in a row. You can use them any time in the year. Um, nice. That's really useful. And I think it's it's pretty cheap. It's about I think it's about... 30, yeah, 13 euros for one day per person yeah if you get a 33 day one it's 28 euros but they also give some family ones so for example if you've got a one day card for two to five people that's only 28 euros which i think is pretty good for 60 that's pretty good and it's pretty yeah, sounds pretty, pretty flexible useful. as well where you can yeah. just pass it on to people yeah that's nice i like yeah. that and you can you can either buy it at, as you get into luxembourg there's different stops in there you can buy it you can also buy it online and you can even get the application for uh, apple and android to buy it from there and use it as a virtual thing as well and it gives you a little card like a passport thing like we were talking about last time mm. and you can just get it signed and stabbed at different places so that's something that might be useful to check out definitely give that a look cool that's quite nice yeah yeah, yeah. um Zame, any special mentions which aren't related to caves or uh awful then no okay perfect um <laughs> so yeah i've only got uh Two or three, which one is the obvious, we talked about it, but I want to just reaffirm the fact that uh, Luxembourg City, Old Town, is a UNESCO site, um, so you can wander around the narrow winding alleyways and historic buildings and have great views of the river and stone bridges and old city walls, which just sounds like a lovely thing to do if you've got a good coffee. Uh, just walking around sounds, sounds pretty perfect. If the uh, um, idea of a millstone doesn't appeal to you, there is a proper Luxembourg Philharmonic Orchestra, which is world-renowned. It's one of the best acoustic-sounding um, orchestras in Europe, and the French-German-Belgian influence means that you have great access to conductors, soloists, and orchestras, and that's something which sounds pretty amazing. And lastly, you've got Berdorf, which is a part of Luxembourg, which has 3,000 acres of forests, and um, they've kind of 
organized it in a way where they've actually placed down wooden planks or uh, walking trails so whilst you can go and explore wherever you want uh, you can stick to the trail as well and that's that's quite a, a nice thing to do if you'd like hiking and stuff and the views look pretty decent so definitely check that out as well yeah that sounds actually pretty fun the forest stuff yeah yeah, nice. Yeah. Well, um, guys, I think we are at the end of the episode. So just wanted to say thank you all for listening. But more importantly, thank you, Zane, for actually doing some research on a fact um, <laughs> today. It made yeah, the whole, a made a whole last time. And it was it the was, best fact in the episode. It, 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 it was not. It just wasn't. Thank you. Um, so thank you, Zucky, for actually maintaining the sanity for you and me. That was really, really helpful. And of course, thank you to everyone who's providing feedback. It really is helping. Please keep it coming. And um, we will definitely uh, take it on board as well. Yeah. And give us a shout for anything that you think we can improve or some other ways you can do. And if there's anybody who knows how the heck we actually do social media, <laughs> give us a shout. <laughs> or, or definitely have a listen. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and again, do check out our blogs and Twitter and Instagram and all that lovely stuff. But guys, gents, it's always a pleasure. We get there in the end, and I'll see you at the next one.